because this whole thing is about freedom. You know, and I guess it just, for us, it means we kind of had to redefine, you know, what success is. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people are going to say success is you write a book, it becomes a bestseller. You have 150 speaking engagements a year. You have, you know, a hundred consulting clients. Um, but that's not what I'm looking for. You are now listening to the living numbers and Tony rambles, 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 and the living numbers podcast. Ready to roll. Here we go. This is the living numbers podcast where everyone is interesting. If you ask the right questions today, I have a wonderful guest who has an amazing, unique story that has the origins are even better. So let's jump in. Hailing from, I think this is right. He'll correct me if I'm wrong later. Leesport, Pennsylvania, where he founded and ran a nonprofit youth sports organization for over 30 years. Talk about dedication. Called the Berkshire Baseball and Softball Club which later became Big Vision Foundation. I think that hits hard. That's a great name. In 2019, he and his wife felt a calling from God, definitely understand that, to leave everything that they had known to sell most of their prized possessions and to live life in an RV traveling across the U.S. and doing so many other things, much like his amazing mother did before him. Boston Red Sox fan, hence the dog's name, Euclid, author, blogger, podcast host, speaker, and consultant. I present the nomad, believer, and mama's boy, respectfully and honorably. I present the Dan Clauser. Say hello to the people, Dan. Hello, and thank you for having me on the show show Tony really looking forward to the conversation I'm glad you came on and when I when I started to read your story I just couldn't resist sending you that message hey man we gotta we definitely gotta collaborate we gotta do something special here and so I think it all starts with your mom who had uh please remind me again I have the number the 1967 yep 1967 Plymouth Valiant. Yep. And that's it. That's the one. And um, please I, just go ahead and tell the story. Your mom did a lot of amazing things and it really coincides with the amazing story that you have now created. So go ahead, take it away. You bet. So yeah, the, uh, you know, a lot of what I'm doing now stems from inspiration from my mom. Um, <clears throat> like you said, she, she had an old 1967 Plymouth Valiant, uh, and back in the mid eighties, she took the back seat out of it, put a sheet of plywood in there, put a mattress in the back and yeah. just traveled around the country. And, uh, uh, you know, she would stop and visit friends and family. Um, mm -hmm. if she felt she was getting low on cash, she would stop a little bit and, you know, work, whether it was waitressing or pumping gas or whatever, she volunteered a lot. Uh, she was always volunteering. I mean, she was doing that long before she started traveling. Um, and uh, when she kind of stopped the full-time 
nomad thing. She was still um, quite a, you know, doing quite a bit of traveling to volunteer, uh, mostly through the Salvation Army, volunteering at hurricane relief efforts mm. in Florida. Um, the biggest, probably most impactful volunteer work she did was at Ground Zero after 9-11. The original plan was to be up there for about three months. And I think till it was all said and done, she was up there for about six or nine months. Um, and again, just did incredibly impactful work. And so when, you know, I kind of felt uh, a shift in my life, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, volunteering was going to be a, a big part of it. Um, you know, again, just to, to honor her, um, you know, so the, the most recent book that I've published is called The Journey of My Mother's Son. Um, the name of my podcast is The Journey of My Mother's Son. So it really is, um, you know, a lot to honor her legacy. I, I remember when she passed away, reading through her journals and stuff like that, and just, you know, seeing the people that impacted her, um, you know, letters that we got after she passed away from people that we had never even met, um, telling us about how much of an impact she made on their lives. You know, so when Sandy and I decided that we wanted to start traveling, I wanted to document it and I I wanted to do it in, in real time through the blogging and the podcasting. And, uh, you know, cause I really thought, man, if social media would have been around when mom did this, like it would have been really cool, really cool. So that's really the, the main inspiration behind uh, why we did it. But if you'd have asked me, you know, even as recently as, you know, four or five years ago, there's no way I would have said, yeah, we're going to do this someday. I mean, I always yeah. thought that's mom's story, not my story. I All love right. telling people about what she did. Very proud of what she did, but I never envisioned it, you know, being my story. And then uh, in 2019 in early 2019, I took two solo trips Um, where I drove from Pennsylvania to Dallas, Mm -hmm. Texas for the ABCA convention, the American Baseball Coaches Association convention. Mm -hmm. From there, I went to Louisiana to see some friends, then back to Pennsylvania. Uh, A couple months later, a month and a half later, I did the same thing down to Orlando. And I, uh, it was like, it was the first time in my life that I really took my time and enjoyed Mm -hmm. the journey on a trip. And there was like this aha moment on those trips where it was like, wow, I think I just figured out why yep. I did this, you know? And then when I got home, I, I wrote like I hadn't written in years um, and knocked out, you know, four or five chapters in what seemed like no time. Um, and that's when it kind of started, you know, started to hit me that, you know what, um, maybe there's something more. Um, you know, really, you know, some people kind of think it's crazy when I say this, but, you know, like literally hearing a voice, you know, like, Hey, it's time for a new chapter. Um, but I did not embrace it at first because we were doing some incredible work for our organization. And, uh, you know, I was like, nah, you know, that's not my story. It's, uh, you know, that's my mom's story, not my story. Mm. Um, and really kind of had an internal battle going, you know, going on. Um, and, uh, you know, after a while, I kind of bought into it and then mm-hmm. ran it by my wife who thought I had completely lost my mind. <laughs> but again, eventually uh, she came around, you know, we started seeing, you know, more and more things that just seemed like mm-hmm. signs to us as to, yeah, yeah. all right, 
it's time to close this chapter. We've done enough. Um, and it's time to open a new chapter. But we, we honestly have no regrets at all on this decision. I mean, there's so much there. Uh, your mom sounds like like a true real life folk hero where there are all these stories and these people that you don't even know when they come out the woodworks, you know, and, and when those people pass away, like even in stories and novels and movies, the first person I just thought of is <laughs> Iron Man, right? So when Tony Stark passed away, like, everybody came out even a little kid he visited in iron man 2 but it just shows the impact that people have when they you know they just kind of let go and they they just follow you know follow their heart you know follow follow god that voice in your head right we may attribute it to that other people attribute it to something else but oftentimes when you follow that wherever you think it's coming from it can lead to making an impact that does a lot of good, not just for you, but then for other people and generations on. And so you mentioned you and your wife uh, have this RV, right? And our, our second number here is one square mile is 640 acres. And so we'll come back to acreage here in the later story, but uh, tell the story of how you guys made that decision to go, all right, like what was the question that you had to answer for yourselves that kind of puts you over the hump to then like go head first into it? Was there like a, a specific memory or like moment, like y'all were at the dinner table or y'all were out eating or y'all were friends or something like that? Uh, I think the specific moment for her was really, uh, she, she had been laid off from corporate America about a year mm -hmm. before this was now working in a position for another company that was a temporary position. She was working for a temp service, but when she was first hired, she was told it would be, you know, temp to permanent. And, you know, initially it was like, you know, it'll happen in three months and then, well, now it's going to happen in six months. Um, at this point, you know, she had been there, um, you know, over a year and a half and nothing was, was happening. Yeah. And, you know, I think for her, that's what she kind of took as the sign as to, you know what, um, you know, maybe this is something that, you know, that we should do. And let's, it was, roll. let's do it. Yeah. And, and it was actually on a walk, you know, it was our, our morning walk with our dog. You know, for me, it was, uh, it was just, again, that, that inspiration to write after those two trips. And again, even I had, you know, a, a battle going on. Right. Um, what, were the, what were those I, questions in that battle? Sorry, but what were those questions? How did that, <clears throat> how did that interact? How did you interact with yourself in your mind when this battle is going on? Just, you know, that it was such powerful work. You know, we knew mm -hmm. that we were changing kids' lives. You know, we dealt with a lot of inner city kids, um, giving kids opportunities that they never would have had otherwise. Um, and really trying to, um, you know, the organization was my baby. You know, I mean, I had started it. I started it in 1989. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so to kind of, you know, be willing to walk away from that mm. was was not an easy, not an easy decision. And I just thought there was more work for me to do there. And, you know, it was really like, you know, God was saying to me, no, you've done enough. You know, you've done enough. Yeah. It's time to do something else. And, you know, I mean, you figure 
I was, you know, right around 50 years old when this was going on and, you know, mm -hmm. 30 years of my life, you know, 60% of my life I had dedicated wow. to this organization. So that was the internal struggle for me. It was really just accepting that, you know, that I could walk away mm -hmm. um, and that there, there was something more without really knowing for sure what that something was, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. we, I was going to be able to do some consulting work, um, wanted to, you know, do more speaking, um, mm -hmm. you know, wanted to publish more books, um, but didn't really know how it was all going to piece together. Um, right. I had a lot of, a lot of consulting things lined up and then COVID hit and that, you know, all came to a screeching halt, which again was another yeah. thing where it was kind of like, well, wait, is it, are we doing the right thing? And then mm. it was just like, no, just keep moving forward. Just keep moving forward. And it's, you know, it really is a story of just having faith, you know, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, uh, you know, things have worked out for us incredibly well. So what are some checkpoints along the way to where you go? Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. We, we did the right thing. And then, you know, things happen. You go, okay. Yep. All right. It's, it kind of reinforced your belief in what you were doing. One of the biggest ones has been being able to reconnect with some of my old players that are, mm scattered throughout the country and it was really almost uh again almost a, a message you know from god saying to me you know look the seeds you've planted they're blooming you know they're blooming yes. so a lot of times you know as a youth coach you know you don't always get to see the fruit of your labor you know you, you put in a lot of hours you're putting a lot into these kids and you know some of them you can see right there that they get it others you think they don't get it. And then you'd later find out, wow, they really did. Um, but you don't always get to see that. And for me to be able to get together with some of these guys and girls and see what they're doing in their lives today and the impact they're making um, has really reiterated that we made, you know, the right decision and that, you know, 30 years of, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that went into that organization were paying dividends. And it was, you know, kind of like, you know, seeing the ripple effects of throwing that stone in the pond and how far mm -hmm. that reach was going. So that was definitely one. Um, the other thing is, you know, the more and more that we started to volunteer with different projects, um, you know, we, we knew that volunteerism was going to be a part of this journey. Again, we didn't really know how it would come together, how we would find mm -hmm. projects and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, right out of the gate, we had an opportunity to volunteer um, in Texas and Louisiana. Um, you know, one at a drug and alcohol, faith-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And um, mm -hmm. another right after Hurricane Laura came through Louisiana. And, uh, you know, but after that, again, we didn't really know how we would find these opportunities to volunteer and we came across an organization called a year to volunteer and that has really been the thing that has truly given us purpose because it's uh you know it's an rv centric volunteer organization that you know will find different projects uh across the country whether it's at a state park or a nonprofit organization or mm. um you know county campground whatever the case is and put together this project and then offer it out to people to volunteer with. 
Um, and that has really been a godsend for us because we basically just have to sign up for the project and show up and, you know, see work happens. our butts off for two weeks, you know, you know, Phil and Char who run the organization, take care of all the back end stuff that, yep. that, you know, if they hit hiccups, they never show it to us as volunteers. You know, as far as we're concerned, it's running smooth as silk, you know? Um, that's so that's been, good management. you know, really the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the, you know, the final thing is just, you know, apart from the, the incredible beauty that this country has to offer is <clears throat> the amazing people that we've met. And again, you know, I get it. This, this country, this world is a mess at times, but I'll tell you what, Tony, if you're looking for good and you're looking for good people, you're going to mm. find them. And that's been the, you know, the most incredible part of this for us is just the number of people that has really kind of restored our faith in humanity of just good quality, you know, salt to the earth people that we've come across and met. And, you know, some we've become friends with others. I don't even remember their name, but we've had, <laughs> you know, we had a very good conversation and they made a huge impact on me and, you know, they'll forever, you know, leave an indelible mark on my life, you know, and I think that's what's, what's really cool about it. And uh, again, like I said, it, it's really allowed us to kind of, you know, restore our faith in humanity and know that there are a lot of good people out there and you, you just got to go out and find them. I agree. Uh, it's about everything that we do is about the people. At least, you know, let me speak for myself. What I do, it's about the people. So when I'm, again, when I'm teaching, because I am a high school teacher, so I got kids from all kinds of backgrounds coming into my classes, and you kind of never know what you're going to get. And my class is only one semester. I teach speech, ironically. So I only have these kids for this very short window. But I see the ripples a little bit sooner when you when you see these kids as as sophomores, as juniors, as seniors, and they're still coming by your class, even though they took you for four months, four years ago as a freshman, they still make time in their day to just come by and, and say hello or just to see you in the hallway and a wave or a head nod. So it's all about the people. And so when I have people on and I'm reaching out and I'm I'm messaging and I'm connecting. I'm like, there's so many amazing people who have amazing stories, much like yourself, like your mom. And I'm sure if I talk to your wife, her perspective will be. A little bit different at the very least, but her story will be just as great. And all of these people that you meet on the road. So that's, man, I, that's the whole reason I started this podcast is to be able to connect with great people and to be able to share their stories. So you ran this, this complex for 30 years. That was 108, 130 acres, which is our next number. And volunteering was a huge thing for you, but you didn't, you, you grew it to something where you had to be hired on. If I remember correctly from another podcast, they go, Hey, like, damn, this thing is growing and it's getting big no better person than to have you come on. So talk about like that dynamic, how it changed from going to, from volunteer to being hired. Cause a lot of times we start things as hobbies and then they become our jobs. And now it's different. 
And then you mentioned some players before. I kind of want you to think about some of these ex-players that you may have had, baseball, softball, either one. I'm a softball coach too, ironically. And uh, just talk about some of those kids that made an impact on you. So I know two-part question there, but take, take one. The first part, um, you know, never in my wildest dreams, you know, when I started the organization, did I ever think that it would turn into a vocation, you know, that it would grow to what it did. And, you know, I would have to, you know, run it full time. Um, so it was, uh, you know, when that opportunity came about, um, it was really, uh, you know, almost unbelievable, you know, when, I, when it really comes down to it is that, you know, again, this, this little thing that we had started had grown, you know, to this huge organization that, you know, now needed, you know, full-time staff. It was amazing. As far as how I, you know, if I had changed, I don't think I really did because it was always, whether as a volunteer or whether as a, you know, paid staff member, it was always about the kids for me. Um, mm. First and foremost, that was the only reason I was doing it. Um, you know, and, and our approach as an organization was really about teaching these kids life lessons through the game. So, you know, we were, you know, we had very competitive teams over the years, you know, so we were always stepping on the field to win, but that mm. wasn't the number one goal. Number one goal was to make these kids good human beings whether they went on to play college or they went on to play professionally at some point, the game's going to pass you by, you know, that the game is unforgiving in that matter. And at some point you're just not going to be able to compete at whatever that right. level is for, for some yeah. of us, it's high school for some of us, it's college. You know, those who are better, they get into minor league ball. Those who are really good can make it to the big leagues, but at some point we're all done. And nobody's going to care about what you did on the baseball field. Um, yeah. You know, when you're sitting in there and having a conversation to be part of a business organization, they could care less about, you know, how well you could hit a curveball or how good you could throw a curveball. None of that matters. It's now, how are you going to help this business be successful? So the way I approached it, whether as a volunteer or as a paid staff member, never changed. Absolutely never changed. You know, toward the end of my tenure, there's a little 12-year-old player in our organization. His name was Juan Alfonseco. And, you know, this kid just had such a great outlook on life. And I remember one time, you know, we're, we're running a tournament at the complex. And, you know, in addition to the tournament, you know, we've also got staff relatively common that on any given tournament weekend, you know, one of these kids is going to call off. It's just, it was the nature of the beast of <laughs> yep. we were dealing with. It's just what it was. So I think we had two call offs that morning and, um, you know, we ran a tight ship. So if somebody called off, it wasn't like, you know, we had an excess amount of bodies that we could throw it at this. I mean, it just made everyone else's day harder. Um, so I was probably in a little bit, a little bit of a, a foul mood at the time. And I was uh, coming over and, and his team was getting ready to, to warm up for their first game. And, uh, uh, you know, I dropped something off with him, a bucket of balls or something at the batting cage. And I'm like, hey, Juan, how's it going? And uh, he just looked at me. He goes, 
Well, coach, I woke up this morning, so it must be pretty good. And like, just stopped me in my tracks where I'm like, this kid's got it figured out. Yep. <laughs> you know, this kid's got it figured out, you know, so, so here he is, you know, I'm thinking about all the bad things that I've got to deal with for the day. And he just stops me in my tracks and, you know, teaches me a life lesson in that moment. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, talking about, you know, some of the notable players, so to speak, that came through our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we had over 50 players that went on to play minor league baseball, which was always, you know, something we we're always very proud of. Um, but, you know, we've got kids out there that are, you know, doctors and lawyers and mm. entrepreneurs and, you know, um, involved in their own communities and making an impact. And, you know, there's just so many um, that I couldn't even begin to name all the ones that I'm, I'm proud of. But, you know, when you're just talking, you know, within the game itself, you know, we had a kid that, that didn't, one kid that made it to the big leagues for a cup of coffee with the New York Mets, Zach Lutz. Um, he later on then went and played in Japan and Korea for a little bit. Um, and then as his career ended, he actually got into coaching. He would pull me aside and, you know, we would just have conversations about coaching and, um, you know, again, you see, you know, here's a kid who immediately, you know, started to give back once he was, once he was done playing. Um, so that was always special. Anytime I was able to have a, a conversation with him, you know, before or after a game or whatever the case was. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the other two that, you know, within the game have made it, um, you know, pretty far as we got a kid, uh, Gil Kim, who's the director of baseball operations for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and, right. you know, again, just a kid who's, you know, sharp as a whip and, you know, smart and definitely, I think, will someday actually be a big league general manager. And, uh, you know, another kid who's uh, the assistant general manager for the Houston Astros right now, Andrew Ball. Wow. Uh, just took that position back in December. And, you know, again, um, you know, to still be able to have relationships with those guys and, um, you know, call them on the phone and, you know, they pick up and they return my call is yeah. pretty cool. And again, to have those conversations and, you know, them talking about, you know, their time within our organization or having me as a coach how much it impacted them and has helped them get to where they are today is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So, but I really, you know, those are four quick ones off the top of my head that, but every kid I coached has had some sort of impact on me in in one way, shape or form. As a coach, I definitely can relate. Uh, What did your uh, players call you? Did they call you uh, coach Dan, coach C? What, what, what was it? Um, it, it actually varied a little bit, um, mm-hmm. the years, uh, early on, cause I, I started coaching really young. Um, so I told him, just call me Dan, uh, cause it was awkward, honestly, be called coach. Cause I always kind of took that title as like just a, a title of, you know, respect that I hadn't earned yet, you know? <laughs> so I was like, just call me Dan. And then, then it, then it kind of, you know, evolved where they would call me coach Dan. Um, and then a lot of times they just call me coach. Um, but, uh, it's funny how I didn't embrace the title in my early years of coaching because I, you know, again, I didn't feel as though 
I had earned that yet. I have kids, players. It could be, you know, Coach Franklin. It could be Coach Frank, Coach Frankie. I mean, this Mr. Coach Frank. I mean, it could be just a myriad of things. And I think back like to like my dad, because it was just Mr. Franklin. There was no Mr. F, no Mr. Troy. It was just Mr. Franklin. Do not vary from that. It's not fun. It's it, it's my name right. to, to me. And I think I tried, I tried to do that. But it just wasn't me. Like, I'm like, as long as you put the Mr. or the coach in front of it, you know, then for the most part, I think we'll be fine because that's my personality. And I think you got to kind of roll with what works for you. That kind of takes us into our next number here. And it's $5. So I got a little story. So I walk into, uh, well, I order something from Amazon and it's this place called Kohl's, you know, retail department store. And you can return your Amazon packages there. So if you buy something, it's wrong or it's damaged, broken, whatever the case may be, you can take it to Kohl's, you can return it, and you can get your money back. But what they also do is they give you $5 in Kohl's cash, where now you can basically spend money in a store and get $5 off. Now, we all know $5 is not enough money to really buy anything, not these days. But it shows you how they're reinventing themselves and they're innovating to be able to stay relevant. So you've gone through a, a couple of different stages, uh, two massive ones with going from, you know, leaving your job to becoming, you know, full time at the organization and then leaving the organization to now become RVing across the country. These are two huge shifts. So you've also become an author, a podcaster. You do a, a ton of stuff now. So kind of talk about reinventing yourself and how you were able to think about and create these different, not just streams of income, but different ways to, to give back and make an impact as you made this huge shift to selling everything and becoming a, a nomad in your RV, you, your wife, and, and Euclid, of course. I think we're constantly in, in a state of flux as human beings, you know? So whether we know it or not, I think we're always kind of reinventing ourselves. Um, mm. If we, if we're not, we're going backwards, you know, because you're never really standing still. You know, when we're looking at doing this, um, I wanted to be able to give back. I and mean, that was a big component of our organization. It was a big component of, of our life. So, you know, that, that was a must for sure. The writing always was part of my life. So to be able to publish, uh, continue to publish books, documenting our travels, doing just telling the story was a big deal, you know, but then it's, you know, figuring out how to sell those books. Um, right. <laughs> You know, because you can write it, which is a, a task in itself, but then you, you also want to be able to sell them. And, you know, I never, you know, it's not like I really have aspirations to, you know, to become a bestseller or, you know, rich and famous. That's not, you know, mm -hmm. I just want to inspire other people. And if that's one person or if it's a hundred people or a thousand people, that's fine. I'm throwing it out there. You know, with the speaking and consulting is, you know, that 
continues to to grow and, and try to get more and more of that stuff booked. It's really it's being able to do it on our terms, um, mm. you know, because I, I don't want it. You know, I, I worked a lot of hours with the organization. I, I was putting in a ton of hours and I have no regrets because, again, it was for kids. Um, but I don't want to get into a situation where um, all we're doing is traveling from, you know, one speaking engagement to another speaking engagement right. to, you know, and having consulting take up all my yeah. time. So it defeats the purpose of the whole thing. Exactly. Exactly. Cause this whole thing is about freedom, you know, and I guess it just, for us, it means we kind of had to redefine, you know, what success is. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are going to say success is you write a book, it becomes a bestseller. You have 150 speaking engagements a year. You have, you know, a hundred consulting clients. Um, but that's not what I'm looking for. No, I'm just looking to be able to inspire people uh, to tell our story and to make people understand um, you don't have to live the rat race that society tells us right. to live. You know? um, and there's so many opportunities for people to do what we're doing and continue to work. There's so many opportunities for remote work out there. Um, you know, I connected with a young couple fresh out of college um, who they both work full-time remote jobs, but live in an RV. Um, mm. you know, so they just, they make sure they're in a campground from Monday to Friday um, and they've got good Wi-Fi and a good connection. And then they travel on weekends, you know? So, you know, for me, it's really about telling people that they can do whatever they want to do. You know, they don't have to get caught up in all this stuff that society teaches us, you know, yeah, to get yeah. caught up in, you know? Um, so I don't know if that really actually answered your question or not, but. That oh, was yeah, how yeah. we re- that's how we re- reinvented our ourselves. That, that definitely answers the question and it pushes us into our next part right here where I ask my three what's from every guest that I have on and we can actually start with what's usually the last what we can make it the first one because you already kind of started to jump into it and it is if I were to take this segment back to my classroom what would you tell high school age kids? I would tell them don't rush in to their next decision. Um, and I know a lot of times, again, society says graduate high school, go to a mm-hmm. four-year school. There's a lot of debt, which then <laughs> forces you, <laughs> which then forces you to get on that hamster wheel, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would say, take your time. Um, I, I am a huge fan and I'll probably end up re-answering this with a later question that we've talked about. Uh-huh. Hey, go ahead, go into it. I, I am a huge fan of kids taking a gap year between their senior year of high school and their freshman year of college. Um, and and I, the reason I say that is I think there's so much that can be learned um, in the world before you go back to school. And again, you don't know, you don't know, man, at 18 years old, you don't know what you want to do for the next, you know, 50 years of your life. Nine times out of 10. Yeah. So, you know, if it's possible, I I would strongly encourage you to travel um, in that gap year. And again, you can do like my mom did, you know, you can travel and stop and work somewhere 
month or two months or whatever the case is. And you're going to learn so much from that experience. Um, yep. It would be priceless, you know, and then you have some more money to go on to your next little gig that you can go and do for, you know, a, a week, two weeks, whatever it is. And I think just by experiencing that and experiencing people and at a young age, um, again, we're many times we're told to put all these people in a box. You can actually get out there and interact with people who aren't going to look like you probably mm-hmm. don't think exactly the way like you do. But if you actually take the time to have a conversation with them, you're going to find out you have a lot more in common with them than what people yep. are going to tell you. So, you know, not to get ahead of myself, but if, if there's something uh, that would be an unpopular belief in today's society of mine, that's it. Take a gap year, travel, meet people, experience life a little bit, and then make the decision. Do I want to go to college? Is there, or is there another route? Is a trade school a better route? Is something else yep. a better route than just a four-year debt-laden school? I've had other guests that will say the same exact thing because guess what? The school is going to be there. They're going to take your money whenever you decide to go back to school, if you decide to go back to school. But there are so many other ways. 18, 19, 20, they'll take that check. (laughs) They'll take it no matter how old you are. And your mom figured this out. And I didn't understand this until my wife and I, we took uh, our trip to China uh, and I worked teaching English is there are ways that you can work and travel. You can do both. So the unpopular opinion that will that actually considered unpopular i think is kind of turning a little bit the other way now as inflation goes up and the price of school goes up hey take that gap year take that gap year go meet some people go experience some things and it'll broaden your perspective and teach you some things that you will not learn in college now our last what is if you weren't traveling as a uh, creator author counselor if you weren't doing all these things and traveling in your rv what would you be doing would it be back at the at the complex you know big would it be back there would it be a different phase in life that you would have gone into you know if there's anything i miss it is you know that day-to-day interaction with my players and Mm. and again knowing you're making an impact um so i think it would definitely you know, revolve around coaching in one shape or form. Again, whether it's coaching a team, which I, I loved doing that. I mean, I, there were times where I, you know, did some individual lessons here and there, but I never got the same out of that as I did out of a team. Because, you know, when you mm-hmm. take, you know, 15 or 18 different personalities and, you know, are able to get them meshed together and, you know, pointed in the right direction, working for one common goal, that's a pretty special accomplishment so Mm -hmm. it would be you know definitely you know coaching uh you know baseball somewhere um you know maybe at a college or something like that um you know or the high school level who knows for sure but it would definitely involve coaching all right coach dan before we get out of here tell people where they can find you your website your book your youtube page Go ahead and plug it all here so people can follow you and your wife in Euclid and see the amazing things that y'all are doing. Uh, journeymymotherson.com or danclauser.com. If it, a lot of times that's just easier. <laughs> they both go to the exact same site. 
uh, everything that you need to know is on that site. So whether you're looking to buy one of the books, um, there's links there for that, both, you know, signed copies of the books, or it'll direct you to Amazon for an unsigned copy. Um, you know, speaking engagements, consulting engagements, um, all of my podcasts are there gets you to the YouTube channel as well. Cause my podcasts go out on, you know, audio only and video. Um, so really just get to that site. Uh, all my blogs are there and you can, you know, probably spend a couple hours just digging around on it and, and finding more about this, uh, this journey for sure. Well, thank you, Dan, for coming on. It was amazing. You have an amazing story. Your mom clearly did some great things and is an American folk hero shout out to your wife because I know how it is to be married and you know you got to have both people on board to really do some things like this so shout out to your wife as well and uh shout out to Euclid and the Red Sox well guys thank you for coming along for the ride with me and Dan Clouser. make sure you guys go check him out on social media check out his YouTube page get his book And uh, yeah, signing off for Dan. I'm Tony Rambles, your host of the Living Numbers podcast. Make sure you guys go like, subscribe, download all that great stuff. Stream in on YouTube. Y'all know you can find me everywhere. And I will see you all in the next round. We got it, Dan. That's good. That's really good.